0: No. Hey,
1: everybody, it's Keith here live in the lab.
0: What you know about rolling down in the deep when you a
1: little bit of ass wolf bringing us in today on a Wednesday special guest Joel Yee. He's going to talk to us about something really cool. Has anybody think about revenue recovery? like actually dig into that sandbox where there's opportunity and just kind of think, ah, there's no opportunity over there. This guy is going to tell you there's opportunity over there. I'm telling you, I I did a little bit of reading and I'm, I'm all about sales myself. So we're going to have a great chat today. I just had a quick little snippet with Joel, um, upcoming digital nomad. The guy's, you know, living in front of a white wall. He's going to be moving around the planet. I think living off of probably his his digital world. So we're going to be excited to hear about that. Talk revenue recovery with Joel, you coming up here in a couple seconds. And then but before we dig into the conversation, uh, those of you that have been paying attention to Keith and Keith and Roland and what's happening in our world in the lab in the business athlete performance lab, um, we launched Truthbox yesterday, truthbox.ai. Joel doesn't know this. He's just hearing about this for the first time himself. So uh, I'm going to uh, bring Joel into the room, uh, introduce him to you guys, and then also introduce Joel to Truthbox, talk a little bit about that, and then get into Joel's world of revenue recovery and finding money in that there inbox and CRM of yours. Uh, welcome to the show, Joel Yee.
0: Hey Keith, thanks for having me here, man. I'm so excited. You, you started with such energy and I'm like, let's go, let's run, let's run this. Awesome, man. Did, did, did you hear the tunes on your side of the fence over there? Did
1: you, did, 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 did does it come on your side?
0: I did, I did. You know what, when it when it played, I, I was like, I was worried for a second because I, I couldn't hear you speak. I just heard the music. I thought about well, it's, it's all good. <laughs>
1: awesome, that's good. Well, you know, listen. Yeah. Uh, Music is the soundtrack to life, and uh, we so easily forget about that, right? So it was that important to great. me when we launched this show. I said, to Roland, we're gonna bring tunes in, man, and we're gonna create this kind of fun atmosphere along the way." So, um, but listen, I'm really grateful to have you join us today. And before we talk about Truth Box, let's talk about the white wall behind you. What's going on?
0: Yeah. So if you caught me about a, a week ago, I would have my whole setup here, my my Two Comma Club awards, right? My client reviews and everything, but. I'm actually, we sold everything, we moved everything, we shipped everything to my my in-laws house because my wife and I are getting on the journey of our lifetime. We are moving and traveling across primarily the US and then Asia and the rest of the world in the next year because we are going to be running my clients' events, speaking from stage, and also just working the laptop lifestyle, right? Being a digital nomad. You know, I've been working, I've I've actually never worked in a physical location before right in an actual office because when i started my career it was in this online marketing space yeah but then i realized i was like why why do i have so much you know baggage why do i have so much anchors to tie me down to one spot <laughs> yeah and we could actually live to our fullest potential and network and do big deals and travel the world and also more most importantly get out of that comfort zone all
1: right okay i, 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 gotta, I gotta i gotta settle down here man because you got me jacked like you your your <laughs> energy so you're kind of living what i have oh man i would love to so you you're packing up and you're you're traveling around. You get to buy a motorhome. Yes. You buy buy a motorhome or like a, a van or a sprinter. Uh, no, we're, we're, we're,
0: we're gonna lift the sweet life first. We're gonna live in, in hotels for a bit, maybe Airbnbs. Yeah. I, I got I got good loyalty with hotel and airlines. That's awesome. <laughs> good status.
1: Yeah. That's uh so I'm getting a little oh, I see that Roland. I'm gonna do a little quick chat check here. Roll. So our good old producer Roland here, who's always making sure we're doing good, uh, is like, hey, your uh, your positioning with your guests is a little bit off on the camera. So we're gonna fix that. Uh, Roland, I just mixed up both here. So I'm going to do this here and, uh, we are going to, uh, edit on the fly. So uh, it's funny, uh, Joel, because we're doing this live. I wanted yeah. to do a live show. Cause why not? Everybody does recording. So I'm like, let's do it live. Yeah. Let's kind of fall and fly. Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's fix our faults in front of everyone. And, uh, let's have success and failure in front of everyone and learn together.
0: Absolutely. Just hey, like, look, I love it, man. Fail, fail forward. You know what they say? Fail forward.
1: Just like you and your wife. So yeah. you're packing up. And you guys are going to travel around the around the states, and you're going to uh, live the sweet life, and you're going to go to client events, and you're going
0: to work <laughs> yes. remotely the entire for for a year, Joel. I would say, yeah, it's definitely going to be at least a year, but it might be two or three, just depending on how much we how much we like it, you know, and how and how. And, where, and see where life takes us, right? See where life life takes us. I love it. So
1: tell me about that conversation. Was it, hey, honey, what do you think about this? Or did she approach you, or how how did no, you both ar- how did you both arrive? At, yeah, okay. How did you yeah, arrive at this crazy. decision?
0: So, so um, you know, I'm I'm a man of faith myself, right? I okay. believe in God and Jesus to save my life, changed my life, and I was, but but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't as I, I guess I wasn't I didn't have a deep relationship until a lot recently in the past year and a half. So this happened about two months ago, three months ago. And it's kind of crazy because you know we live in Vancouver, Canada. But yeah. the story about that is also crazy because we're actually Americans. We're Americans that moved to Vancouver, Canada about four years ago. Okay. okay. Um, and so this is this is Canada right now. So I'm in Canada. And I was sitting, I was laying, we were laying on at um on our bed at one night. We were laying on our bed one night, and we were like, hmm, and this is like she already got accepted to a four-year naturopath school, like a medical school, right here in Canada. And we were planning to settle here the whole time, you know? And I was like, I just had this calling. I was talking, I was praying about this. And I was like, "Mm, I just feel like maybe, you know, what if we did something crazy at this stage of our life, right? Because we're pretty young, what is something crazy? And I wasn't. I didn't know how to bring it up to her because she already committed to four years of school. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like take that away from her. But I was like, you know what? I was praying about this. So we were laying in bed yeah, about two months ago, one night. I was like, you know, babe, I'm going to tell something crazy. Yeah. Uh, Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what I feel called to say. I said, what if we packed everything up and sold everything and traveled the world and, you know, did client events and trusted on God and see how he provides. Um, But I know you have your school. So even if you want to stay, that's perfectly fine. But it was crazy. She was like, you know what? If that's what you really feel called to do, like, let's do it. And then literally next day, she took out, she took back her initial you know deposit for her school her place right two thousand dollars she withdrew her application and and is now on this journey with me so wow yeah that was a very interesting conversation
1: <laughs> talk about un- sure. talk about unconditional
0: yeah yeah super grateful for her super yeah you know it's, it's to her to my family to god right to everybody right i,
1: I love it uh, Joel. Just- I, I love it what what did you find that? so your amount of faith a, a great deal of respect mm-hmm. for that did you look we to your think. did you look to your faith to find the vulnerability to have that conversation with your wife? Because uh, I can imagine you wrestled and you wrestled. You had two, you had two, uh, you had two of these people on your shoulders. Right now, nah, don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah, talk about. It. No, no, don't. Nah, yeah, do. And it was yeah. that wrestle. Yeah. Where, where did you dig into yeah. your own vulnerability to say, "Honey, ah," because it clearly could have went the other way too, which would have provided some yeah. conflict.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely that. It's definitely, I, I was like, you know what? It's Because here's the thing. I felt a lot of, my whole life, I've been really blessed um, by God. Like, And I can mm-hmm. share my story, how I even got to the US, right? That's, that's the stories of the stories. Like, there's so many things that happened to me and people around me, my wife, family, like even friends, you know, people are like, it's very supernatural. I, I really cannot explain that, you know, I shouldn't be here today. I shouldn't be here on a podcast with you, right? Like, I, my life was never destined for anything like this. So... As I got a lot older, I got more mature. That's when I realized, you know, it's not, it's not, I I didn't do this myself. Right. I definitely had a lot of help from my mentors, my friends, my family, but ultimately there's somebody up there who really, really, really is doing supernatural stuff. So when I, when I, when I realized that about a year and a half ago, I then, yes, you're right. I then could tap into my vulnerabilities and actually then speak, speak with confidence because I've prayed and talked you know, to God about it. And yes, you're right. To answer your question.
1: That's, uh, that, that's remarkable. So, Joel, y- you, you alluded to the fact that uh, it was an interesting story to get here and you shouldn't be here. Um, you yes. opened the door, so I'm going to walk through it with you. What, what, yes. what, what drew you to uh, your faith in, in, in God and, and, what, and what drew you down that path? And you said there's some crazy stories. I'm a big believer. All great stories yes. deserve to be told and I can already tell yes. you here, we have many minutes yes. to hear your story. What yeah. brought you... Yeah. What changed your life? What what brought you here?
0: Yeah. So this is where it gets fun. Yeah. I appreciate you asking, Keith. Uh, people think that I'm, because of my accent and the way I speak, people think I'm, they naturally assume I was just born in the States and I grew up in the States. Mm-hmm. No, I've been in North America less, less total years of my life, much less than I've actually been from my home country in Asia. So I was born in Malaysia. Okay. I grew up in Malaysia. I spent 16 years in Malaysia. Yeah. I moved to the US when I was 16 as an international student mm-hmm. on an F1 visa just to study. Now, this is where the supernatural stuff happens, right? Like as an international student, you're just that. You're an international student. You get your degree, then you, you go back home and you work wherever you want back home. Like you just, you're meant to get a degree from the state and that's it. Very few people actually get work visas or even a green yes. card to remain yes. in the U.S. I yes. don't know whether you know how tough it is. Yes. But I, I'm tough.
1: here. I'm here in Canada with yes. you. I'm just a few provinces over. I'm here. I'm here in Manitoba. Oh, so cool. I'm uh, cool. I, I, okay. I, I'm a friendly neighbor of yours, but keep going. Yeah. So I knew I do know how yeah, difficult yeah. it is to get that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's tough, right? Yeah. Even in Canada, it's tough. So um, and the only way for me to get a green card in the U.S. was either to hopefully get a lottery and get the get the work visa or get married to an American. Really, those were a few options, you know? Yeah. But so crazy. Back in, so I came to the US in 2012. But back in 2009, um, Obama opened a program with the Department of Defense, the US military, called MAFNI. MAFNI stands for Military Accessions Vital to National Interest. Long story short, for that fancy fancy name, they're looking for two types of people. They're looking for medical professionals. Yes. And foreign foreign nationals that can speak a foreign language that the government needs. Really? So, so check, check this out. Check this out. And again, this has now this program has now been officially shut down. You can so Google Maps. you're, you're sitting in Malaysia, Europe. you're
1: sitting in Malaysia having your life and you just come across this article that's like well, hey, or well, you were, or...
0: well, I was already here as an NRC student though. Okay, right, okay. you were studying. here. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was here studying, but and then, but again, I was like, you know, I was like, man, like, I love this country. Because one thing, okay, one thing, and I'm sure, I'm sure you recognize this as well, growing up in North, you know, being in North America, like people in North America, they have it good until, until you live somewhere else or you grow somewhere else, you don't, you might not realize how good you have it in North America. And when I came, I was like, oh my gosh, that public transportation, what they have working functional bathrooms that are clean, you know, like it blew my mind because I, I was, where I'm from, it's not like that. Incredible. I had such a sense of privilege and gratitude to be in, in North America. But then when I looked around me, a lot of people live taking things for granted. They live with so much privilege. They, they forgot what they had was, was good. And then I told myself, if I could ever remain in this country, I would live to my best potential. I would be so grateful. I would not take things for granted, right? And so I was like, man, if only God could give me a way, if only I could find a way to stay in North America. And that's when the supernatural happened. I found just out of nowhere, I was Googling one night. This was about two years into living in, in, as a student in the US. Yeah, I was like, how do I remain in the US besides getting married to somebody? Yes. Or besides getting a lottery and trying to get a work visa? Of course. And there's this random link that said math program. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. This is 2014, right? Two years later, mathy program. Talk to an army recruiter and see if you qualify. But here's where the the story gets even crazier. When I spoke to the recruiter, yeah, it was open, but it was only for active duty. And I was like, you know what? As much as I want to serve the country, I don't think I want to be an active duty soldier. I was actually more interested in becoming part of the reserve, yes, National Guard, part-time service, right? Yes. And I was like, ah, man, like I want to do it, but it's but it's not for me. Yeah. Guess what? Six months later, the recruiter called me. We just opened up, I think it was like a thousand spots in the entire country for reserves. And, but here's the problem I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to do it. But I could only qualify through the foreign language route. And here's the thing I actually grew up speaking English. Okay. So my foreign language skills aren't that strong. So I was like, oh my God, I can't qualify through Mandarin, Chinese. It's not good enough. Yeah. My Malay, my Malay is decent. Yes. And there's another, another language called Indonesian. Indonesian is a language like Malay, like a Malaysian language, right? Yes. Yeah. But I was like, I did something really crazy. I basically hired an online tutor from italki.com. <laughs> and for three months, she trained me in Indonesian.
1: Because yeah. you were kind of so stuck, have, in, you were stuck in the middle, yes. right? You're like, I, I, I yes. know this language, but I don't know the ones that are going to get me there. So right. I have to be taught how to, right. that's incredible.
0: So, so I had no money, but I used whatever, like same as I could and hired a tutor for three months to train me in Indonesia. And when I applied and I enlisted in the army, I barely, pa- like, the, I think the passing score, you have to get a two out of five. It's like, it's out of five. Five is like maximum proficiency. Two is like limited working proficiency i had a 2 out of 5 so i got a 2 out of 5 and then i got i enlisted in the army now this process was was just insane because typically if you want to become a us citizen you have to get a green card first after you get a green card then you become a us citizen i went straight from a malaysian passport to a us passport within about 6 months wow like and that program has now been shut only 5000 people got through this program ever in the history of the U S right. And guess what Keith, I met my wife. She was the other one out of 5,000. So we had two out of 5,000 that made it through this program.
1: That's an incredible story. It, it's yes. it, it, so as I was listening to you, tell the story, I, I found myself captured. Um, I'm sorry, as, as I, as I found myself listening to the story, I found myself drawing relations to your business right mm. so you made a comment that oh yeah a lot of people take things for granted here in north america well a lot of people take things for granted in their inbox or in their sales inbox yeah. or in their crm right because it's like well no it's right. down it's down in the rubbish part of my crm i don't want to yes. go look there or it's ah, it's buried buried deep in my inbox i don't want to go look there it sounds remarkably like the experience you had personally it's like it's almost like that was your motivation to say, OK, you guys all just don't get it because I know there's money there in there in those hills and I'm going to go find it. And the other thing that caught Absolutely. me with your story that I think relates to your business, you know, uh, this is Joey, everybody who's just tuning in right now. I'm Keith Bellis You're live in the lab. The other thing that drove me is uh, is your resilience. You just never gave up. You were determined yes. to stay here. You were determined to build a life here. And you weren't going to take no for an answer. That's correct. H- how, do you, how do you not take no for an answer? It's interesting because I'm right now, I'm out just, uh, you know, launching Truthbox and knocking on people's doors and talking to people and just doing my job right. of sales, right? Just like you are. And a lot of people right. don't like that, yeah. right? A lot of people are uncomfortable Absolutely. with sales, right? A lot of people don't like right. cold calling. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm just doing my job. Right. Just do my job. Yeah. Absolutely right. So how, how, how did how did you you don't clearly deal with no? Where, where did you learn that from, Joel? Growing up, mom and dad talk talk, talk about yeah, you talk, know, talk about mom and dad in your family.
0: Yeah, Keith, that's a great question. You know, when I okay, so so when I grew up um, as an Asian boy and growing up in Malaysia, I was again the reason why I said I, I shouldn't be here and I wouldn't be here um, had it not been for something supernatural. Was I was told my whole life to stay in my lane that I'm allowed obnoxious in school i got punished for that went home got physically disciplined by my mom and was told hey just don't talk basically just do what your teachers say don't try to be special don't try to stand out don't embarrass the family stay in your lane be a follower Um, and that was the programming that was programming in, in a lot of asian societies right yeah so 16 years of my life that was my programming now that's why i'm saying like well how did i go from that to this, and that's the question you're asking. How do yes. you not? How do you develop that that resilience, right? Yes. How do you how do you break out of that? So for me, I'll, I'll share with you what what was the biggest, you know, the biggest the biggest pivots in my life. I think just being able to first leave the environment. And this is for anyone watching in or tuning in, like the environment is so underestimated in terms of how much it can affect your future in your life. I think leaving home at 16 was one of the best decisions I've ever made because that meant I could break free from chains, right? And anchors, the things but, that But but I would challenge you
1: Joel, I wonder if you actually made the decision cuz subconsciously it sounds like the decision was made for you. You just had the awareness to pull the trigger.
0: So so here's the thing. I wanted to do everything to get out of Malaysia. Yes. I just I just I just, I just knew like, and and the reason the way, the reason how I got permission from my parents to, and they put up a bit of money for me to go to a community college, community college in Auburn, Washington, right? Okay. Okay. Seattle was I told my mom, Hey mom, I'm going to be a doctor. Ah. And as you know, every Asian parent, they want their kids to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so did my parents too. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. And she wasn't going to let me go. What, unless I said I was going to be a doctor. And so I did, I "I was going to be a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> and that 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 gave her, I guess, that gave my parents the, I guess, the willingness to to let me go, right? To to invest a bit of money and let me go to the U.S. to North America, right? Uh, but to answer your question of the resiliency, I think when I moved to the U.S. at sixteen, that's when I truly found myself, because then I once I, once I broke free from programming and societal norms. And you're supposed to be like this. As an Asian son, you should be like this. As a right, I broke free from all of that, and I was able. Again, I'm just. I'm very grateful. I'm very yes. grateful to have come to America. I was able to explore who I really was, and then I found my true identity. So everything in life, I believe, and you know this to be true, Keith. Everything in life that a person does, success or failure, it all comes from the identity. Yes. So I got to change my identity when I first moved to the U S and that was a game changer for me. You found right? it
1: so young, Joel, 16, uh, man, I was, I, I've got to be frank with you and be very vulnerable. It took me, it took me to following my divorce, like in my forties to finally oh. perhaps find myself mm. right. And, mm. and, uh, and really be as, as vulnerable and as honest as I, you know, as I, as yeah. really, really, you know, so I going through my thirties, I thought who I was, was I was, but then I reflect upon yeah. it. and I was like, man, cool. I sure made some, Hmm. Right and but you're at 16, Jewel. You know, 16. Yeah. You yeah. found yourself. You found yourself as you were coming from Malaysia and you landed in America and you're like, all right, this this is going to be my future. Would that be Would that be a fair assumption of mine?
0: But it's it's iterations, right? Because yeah. you know, when, whenever you feel like you you found yourself, you always know in a few years you change and you grow and you find yes. something better, right? So yes. I think it was multiple. So let me give you an example. When I when I graduated from basic training of the military, yes, I enrolled in something called. ROTC, ROTC, Reserve Officer Training Corps. That was basically a commissioning program where you become a U.S. Army officer okay. in college. Okay, right? okay, college. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I when I enrolled in it, like I met my first two mentors that I didn't pay money for. I didn't have to invest in them. Uh, there were Master Sergeant Vinny and Lieutenant Colonel Eric Dye. They were my cadre. The the cadre meaning the the staff members of my rossi program in school and they were both military non-commissioned officers and very senior commission so so they mentored me and again that that part of my journey shaped my identity again so i went through multiple iterations yes yes right yeah i I found i
1: find it fascinating that you chose the path because this listen you you, that one word military freaks a lot of people out right what what do you mean what do you mean what what do you mean
0: my mom's reaction. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I can only imagine, right? So to say, yeah, well, I'm joining the military, but the military was the ends to the means for you, wasn't it? Because you knew that in order for me to stay here, that was the, I'll put it in an air quote, sacrifice you had to make. But I can only imagine yes. what you learned through that experience and how grateful you are that you went through that yes. experience. Would that be a good assumption of mine as well?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they say the military turns a boy into a man. Absolutely true so so, like so it's knock really that cli- meant to not, just break you down
1: yeah so knock right? that cliche out and make it real for me so take take that cliche yeah. and make it real really? what did
0: that mean yeah yeah so so the first okay so so i think so no i think in the military i learned for the first time in my life what it truly meant to have camaraderie right yeah, to yeah. have brotherhood yes because i'm i'm an only child keith okay okay an only child i okay. never had siblings sure and I remember, remember, I moved to the U.S. at 16. I just, I never really had people around me. You've right been on your 16.
1: own. You've been on your own.
0: Yeah, I've been on my own. But when I went to basic training at 19, I was in the military at 19. I joined at 19. Yes. I was in a barrack. I was in a dorm, not even a dorm, a barracks room of 50 men in Fort Benning, Georgia, right? Infantry school. 50 men. So, you know, I'm like, that's wild for me. Yeah. Never in my life have I lived with fifty guys or boys and men in a room. Right? Yes, yes. So, yeah, that's again. That's why I said it, it turned to from boys. because there, you know, I met people from the South Side of Chicago, from the hood. I met people from Louisiana, Kentucky, who spoke with a southern twang, who who shot rifles and and hunted. I'm like, I'm like, I remember, I'm a guy from Malaysia. Like, what in <laughs> the world are like? It was such a culture shock. It was people from all across the country. You know, people from Puerto Rico. Right. We even we even had people who were like born in the UK or, or, or Canada and what's what happened to an American citizenship and joined. So it was just weird. But for me, that was why, like boy to man, yeah. we had, you know, we had hazing. We had, you know, people forming cliques. We had people ganging up on each other. It was just a whole I can't even explain, explain it in words, man. It was just so much growth. All those so real much-
1: all those real things that happen in the world but nobody wants to talk about and you're and you're just yeah. thrust into that experience immediately yeah so how long exactly. were, how, how long were you in uh, uh in the reserves for joel
0: so i've been in it about eight years and i okay. got out this march actually i just got out a few months ago
1: oh wow so what does that mean when you say just got out so how, how did you're you're out so now you can't get called to duty essentially
0: yeah, so I'm now I, I literally opened my email this morning. You know what? Let me let me show you on my on my phone. I yeah. opened my email this morning and I got I finally got my veteran card, US Army veteran card. So I'm officially a vet now. No kidding. <laughs> that is really right cool. Here. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So so basically I'm veteran. I'm done. I'm done in my service. Yes. Um, and how it works basically in the reserves, National Guard, you serve one weekend a month. Okay. So Saturday, Sunday, once a month, you go and drill with your unit. Okay. And if there's any deployments or anything that they need you for, then you will go on tour. We call it tour. Yep. A short tour is three months. A long tour could be nine months long, right? Got it. That's when you get mobilized to active duty. Yes, yes, yes.
1: So that's a good pivot then to um, the athletic side, the fitness side, the wellness side, yeah. the The, you know, we like to talk about that here in the business athlete performance lab. These ideas of you know athletic principles and business principles bringing out the best in us. So you're going through the military, a kid from Malaysia. Uh, How how did the impact of the physical uh, uh, structure to your life? How how did that impact you? And then how have you brought that into your day to day today? How do you how do you manage yourself today?
0: Yeah, cool. So backtrack a little bit when i was growing grow up in malaysia there was yeah. one thing i was actually really good at and i was actually known in my my, my my local town for in kuching i was actually a sprinter so i ran the 100 meter dash in the 200 meter dash very very well like fantastic I naturally ran very well and then yeah. my, my parents just dropped me off at school and i just started running and i kept running and i got <laughs> trained and i won a lot of gold medals for the 100 meter 200 meter dash locally right so i think from young. I already knew what it's like to train every day physically. Okay. Just
1: discipline, yes. Yes.
0: discipline, training, running, you know, just, just really. So so I did that for about from ages seven to about ages 14. Okay. Right, 14. So I quit about two years before I moved to the U.S. Yeah. Then when I, from 14 to about 19, when I moved to the U.S. in my first couple of years of college, I basically fell off the bandwagon, right? <laughs> like, I, know, I stopped. I stopped working out stop running i played soccer here and there yeah but then again right getting ready for the military i mean that again was like I all bet. in right right running running five miles a day you know i used to run five miles a day every single every single day five days a week so i'll run about i'll run about 25 to 40 miles a week just, just in the army and so back i was really in shape like for sure 2019 to like 20 no sorry 2015 to 2018 with the military where I was in c program that's what I did okay ran a lot worked out a lot uh, body built quite a bit yeah and then again it's like it's like iterations you know it's like it's so funny because after 20 2019 I fell off the bandwagon again then last year 2022 after COVID then COVID hit COVID hit war shut down I was in Vancouver BC completely locked up no gyms were open. I, all I did was cycle on this little bike that we had on a con in a condo in our, in our apartment. We bought a little, uh, biking unit thing. Yes, yes, Um, yeah. But then last year I hired a personal trainer. I got into bodybuilding and now I've actually gained 25 kilograms in back then was like six months. So I put on, I put on muscle and now I'm lifting again. So now I lift every day. <laughs> good for you.
1: Good. So yeah. good for you. So I, I'm a, I'm a big yeah. proponent of lifting. I, 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 I enjoy lifting heavy things up and putting them down as I joke with my kids. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, amazing. Talk to me about uh, what you've learned from adding strength training to your
0: lifestyle and how that has impacted yeah. you in the office on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. The, the biggest thing, and this is so true, like when I first met my personal trainer in Vancouver last year, he was like, you know, when you, when you put on muscle and you gain weight, you're going to feel more confident you're going to look yourself in the mirror and you're going to love how you look. And I, at first, at first, I didn't really believe him because I never really put on that much weight. Yeah. But when I did it, I'm like, I was like, you're right, man. I feel different. I feel more confident. I walk into a room, look good. Right. You stand tall, you stand strong. And I'm not a tall guy. You know, I'm five, I'm five foot six, but now I'm five for six, six. And I look, I look stocker. I look stockier. Right. I look yes. bigger. He definitely feels good. So he's right. He was definitely right. That, you know, that's that's the, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's an honest awesome answer because you know it's one that we often really lose sight of frankly right we're always thinking about not having that answer Well, no cuz i look good no actually i feel when i feel great when i when i know that i look yeah. good i feel good so that when you yeah. go amongst your peers and you get in front of a room to do either speaking or selling
0: yes
1: you feel yes. damn good about yourself don't you and you're like hey man i'm going to convince anybody yeah
0: perform at your peak because you just feel good right With every human being we do this is what we teach in sales right yes humans do humans do what they do based on just one thing and that one thing is feeling yes you you do it because you feel like doing it yes exactly right? exactly yeah, yeah so your kids don't eat vegetables because they just don't feel like eating vegetables you know yeah. so, it's just a feeling yeah. so when you feel good on stage then it's game over you can you can you can control the entire room you can do, you can do anything you're unstoppable
1: yeah, it's it's so true. So it would be fair to say, Joel, and you've hired, you've hired a personal trainer, and yes. um, being an athlete now is as important to you as as your faith and as businesses to you now. Is that is it really kind of part exactly. of your lifestyle? Yeah,
0: exactly. How do you think it's it's, health wealth relationships?
1: Yeah, so you're a structured fellow. I I'm going to make the assumption you're a structured guy. Yes, structure. Yes. in my world, structure equals success. Agree.
0: Hundred percent. I'm a routine. I'm a routine guy. <laughs> yeah, so For am I. Sure.
1: I'm. If, I can guarantee sure. if you call me at a. At six thirteen PM, I can tell you exactly what I'd be doing, or six thirteen yes. AM. Like it's just so neurotic that way. Yep. So then here's what Absolutely. kind of get, here's what makes it uneasy for me, because um, strength training and my wellness, my physical wellness, is part of my structure. How are nice. you going to fit all that into your structure of your nomadic digital lifestyle when you're going to be always on yeah. the goal? Have you thought about yeah. that?
0: Yeah. That's when. That's when discipline really kicks in, right? Yes. Because it's those nights or those mornings where you feel like, ah, oh, I'm so sleepy. I only slept four hours. Yeah. Can't lift. That's when. That's when. That's when. That's when the identity, the discipline, has to kick in. Yes. Right. Because it's not about motivation. Motivation's fleeting, but it's the discipline to say, you know what, I'm gonna stick to my routine. So for me, that's why it's like I told you from the from the start, it's going is a big change in my comfort zone. Yes. I have to get out my comfort zone, so I'm gonna to have to do things that are very uncomfortable. Um, but I'm not. I'm not going to. I, with the way the way we travel in the next couple of months isn't like we're switching locations every three four days. We'll probably be in an area for a good one or two weeks. Right. So I'll be able to still work out very well during those, you know, during those weekdays and everything, because I'll be I'll be doing my routine. Yes. 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 Yes.
1: I love that statement you just made. Motivation is fleeting. Yes. You believe that, don't you?
0: I one hundred percent believe that. Learn that in the military.
1: <laughs> expand
0: on expand on that. Expand on that. You learned that in the military. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, military is all about discipline. There is no motivation. We are we are yelled at, cussed at, berated every single day, no matter how good you do. You just because yeah. in training, right? You just they just discipline you. They all they do is to just say you're not good enough. Do better. You're not good enough. Do better. There is really no much, there really isn't much motivation. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so, so in those, you know, those two, four months of intense training every single day, you just learn to develop the muscle of discipline.
1: I, I've always said to somebody, at least, you know, back when I'm, I was building teams and so forth. I don't want to yes. hire somebody who I need to motivate, or I don't want to work with somebody who I need to motivate. Because, right. because um, if, if they need motivation, they're never going to get it. Right, you 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 100%. you have to find that motivation somewhere in yourself before you can come to the table. Do you do do you agree with that as well?
0: Yes, I yeah, one hundred percent. Motivation comes from within, um, but also at the same time, discipline kicks in when motivation isn't there. Ah, right. Discipline
1: it's kicks like, in when motivation. Yeah, you're right because because yeah, if because like, if you have the discipline ingrained in you, it's like uh, it's like your ref, it's like your reflex. Right? you just do it.
0: It's like it's like it's like, it's like I, I I think of it like this. I think of. I think of discipline as like the gas that powers the car. Yes. Discipline keeps the car going, right? In a straight line, it keeps going, it keeps hustling one step at a time. Motivation could be like nitrous, could be like turbo. Yes. Hey, when you have motivation, good, you go faster. But guess what? You your your turbo needs to be charged. You can not run on nitrous 24/7. Yes. But then what do you have? Your car's not your, your car can't stop in the middle of the road. You need the gas. That's where discipline comes in.
1: Joel, you're wise, wise, wise behind your years, clearly. Um, how do you keep the discipline in your relationship with your wife? you, I, you know how, how does how do you two keep each other centered and how do you keep the discipline together?
0: Um it's definitely been a tough journey because, you know I got married relatively young. I got married um, and, and this is young because you know, compared to my my friends, my age, first sure. age, right? Yeah, um, I got married at twenty two, twenty three okay. when I turned twenty two and the first the first two years were definitely rough yes we were still immature I'll say immature a lot of growing to do of course a lot of insecurities a lot of trauma from my childhood that I didn't realize I had that I had to work on work through um but I, I think as they always say this and I, I really know this to be true the tough times actually make you grow closer together no question and I think I really that, like, the tough, like tough times with my my wife you know there are times where we considered. Divorce. There were times that we thought it would not. It was not going to work out. But we, we just worked through it. We just worked through it, and it's still a work in progress, right? To be fair, it's always a work in progress.
1: Hundred uh, percent. But
0: again, going back to my faith, I still believe the reason why we're together, still together, is because of because of the man up there. Because he, I believe, I can't glue this together. I, I myself, no matter how much power, no matter how much I try. I might still not make this work, but the person up there could do could do the supernatural, right? Yeah. So I, that's kind of how I come to terms in my relationship.
1: I applaud you for that. I applaud you for that. Julie. you're, you're a great communicator. Um, talk about how, uh, you and your wife use communication to keep those bridges open. Is it something you guys have to actively work on? Is it uh, hmm. is it something yeah. that your 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 wife is a big fan of? Do you both you know mutually communicate together, or is one side talking, one side listening? Talk about the power of communication <laughs> in your relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a it's definitely a give or take, right? It's definitely a listen. Try to listen more, right? In yes. sales, listen more than you speak. And I was yes. saying, God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? Yes, <laughs> so um, and obviously, it, it's hard for me in the beginning because I'm a naturally talkative person. Sure, I tend to talk over people. I can get really excited, that I talk. So it's still a training for me to be like, you know what? Listen, listen, yes. listen. Calm down. It's, right. So for me, that's a big reminder for myself every single day. But in terms of communication, um, we're both very different. Mm-hmm. So if you know, like the MB, you know the MBTI, the Myers Briggs. Yes, of course. Test? Yeah. Yeah. So she, so she's an F is feeling uh-huh. i'm a t right i'm a t which i believe t and t and f is like the two opposite i think t is like intuition or something like that right okay yeah so i'm more logical processing right so i made the mistake when we were younger in a marriage where i would say something and it would make her feel a certain way and i would be like why do you feel like that right but knowing now i know now i'm being more mature i'm like you know what that's just how we communicate yes i have to be more patient and understanding, just like how she also has to be with me. So we've grown in that way, just understanding each other's communication style. Yeah, yeah, I,
1: I, I can relate to that. You know, I, I'd say one of the best things that I have done is get behind a microphone and interview other people because it forces yes. you to be thoughtful with your questions and it forces you to stop talking and listen, right? So, because right. I like to communicate, I love to communicate, right? Um, sometimes, you know, so I've had to learn to speak less, listen more, and it's just come with age. Right. And, and, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it has been a, uh, a wonderful skill, which is saying, okay, I'm going to sit here and ask questions and listen and, and try to have a, try to have a good dialogue. Right. So, um, yes. you talked about, uh, uh, as I completely lose my train of thoughts here, vulnerably in front of you right now, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, let's switch gears from relationships. Um, authentic conversations. Let's, let's, let's switch gears to sales revenue. Let's switch gears to making money. Uh, there's a quote, uh, that you are, you are, you are noted for, which is there are acres of diamonds in your list of dead leads. So you are a revenue recovery expert. Let's put, yes. uh, let's put family aside and let's dig into the black and white of making money in business right now what is a recovery, what is a revenue recovery expert and what does Joel do day to day? How do you help companies?
0: Yes. Yes. So revenue recovery is exactly what it sounds like. A lot of companies have a lot of revenue that they're missing out on because they remain dormant because the revenue remains trapped in their inactive leads. So when I recover them, What we do is we do two things Mm -hmm. we have a proprietary software called harvest ai Mm -hmm. what harvest does is it allows you to do voicemail drops emails and text all at the same time that makes your messaging and your copy sound very personal then what i do is i craft i craft the strategy for my clients and we launch those campaigns to their lists it's uh, another term for this is called database reactivation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So another famous term is known. This is known as database reactivation. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. What pointed you in this direction? Was there a company you knew that was working on this? Was there somebody you knew was in the industry? Or or again, because Great of your question. resilience, you're Great. like, nah, there's some money in that bucket. I'm gonna go get it across yes. the bottom. How did how did you end up? Great here? question.
0: Great question. Um, I didn't share this in this part of my story yet, but I was actually the former head of sales, sales director, at a multi-eight-figure co- coaching company. Okay. I think people people probably recognize his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also Canadian. Mm-hmm. He's the reason why I moved up to Vancouver, Canada. Okay. His name is Dan Locke. Okay. okay. Dan Locke, four point five million YouTube subscribers. Okay. Um, I was his. I was his head of sales. Okay. Now, here's the story that of how I stumbled upon this world. I had an opportunity back in twenty. 2021, 2020, wait, no, sorry, 2019, 2019. In 2019, uh, when I was first at Dan's company, I was a manager at his company. He was like, you know what, Joel? Um, My previous sales director isn't doing too well. You You know him, I'm actually gonna demote him or fire him and I'm gonna give you the opportunity to run our sales team. And I was like, of course, I said yes. But he was like, you know what? But if you don't hit your targets, your quota... Right in the next quarter, I'm gonna to have to replace you with somebody else because you're a young guy. I'm just gonna give you a shot, but I don't know what you what it takes. And for me, naturally wanting to take on challenges, I was like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna rise up to the challenge. You know, let me let me go for it." So, halfway through, a month and a half in, I took my sales team and we looked at the numbers. We were nowhere close to hitting a quota that Dan had set for me as sales director. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to get fired. Yeah. This is the most embarrassing. But I got to get in my top closers, right? Um, I had a team of like 100 remote sales professionals, setters and closers. But I took the five to 10 top people and I said, guys, we have to do something about this. Number one, I don't want to get fired. But also number two, I want to help you make more money because you guys have been struggling for the past six months, right? Your morale is low. Leads, lead quality is nothing great. I said, we have a million leads in HubSpot. So in Dan's company, we had a million leads. I said, we have to figure out how to revive these leads because there's so much money. I just believe there was money there. I just believe. So my entire, my, 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 my 10 sales guys and me for the next month and a half, we built out a bunch of email sequences and text sequences with technology and good copy and we called the leads, we dialed them up, voicemail dropped, everything. Long story short, long story short, we made over a million dollars for Dan, monies that he wouldn't have made. Money that he wouldn't have made. That's why I kept my job. Not because I hit the quota, but because I discovered something new for his company and implemented a system that is now on, now it's on autopilot. I've left Dan's company a year and a half ago. He still has people farming, farming his dead leads, yeah. so he's making money now for the rest of his business career automated right recovered
1: that that's incredible so I, I would love to hear the behind the scenes as this is happening so does dan know this is going on at the time are you just uh, doing this and saying okay when we when we accomplish success we're going to show him or or what was that what was the meeting like when you're like hey yes. dan we just we just found
0: him yes. dan we just found a million bucks in the corner over there pardon yes. me like yes. no, no, should, so what's so. So the million was probably collected over a period of, um, I want to say, eight months, right? Eight. Yeah. So, so, but he, but, but what I did was in my executive meeting, I was part of the executive team. I would start showing Dan and the team, "This is what the sales team is doing." Yeah. We have this new project that we call farming dead leads. We yes. just made two hundred grand this month. We just made a hundred grand this month, right? Yes. And so the company could start seeing, okay, Joel's department is doing something really innovative. They're doing something that's high profit. Because again, we've already spent money and time to acquire these leads. They're just sitting there. Yes. No one's working them, right? And so so they they saw the value and that's kind of why it was such a big hit. Joel, so
1: I congratulate you for your success. That's a spectacular story. And anybody listening right now that is sitting there going, hmm, I got a big CRM, whether it's Salesforce, HubSpot, whatever it is. And I got a ton of names sitting in there. Clearly, this fellow can pull money out of those names. So I think I would invite you to check out Joel Yee here if you're uh, listening to this either on podcast or watching and going, hmm, you know, I should contact Joel. Joel, why why do you think that – so you're a sales guy, clearly, and you're good at it, clearly. Yes. Why do you think people are so scared of it? Why do you think people – I'm going to use the word shun me and you because we're bothering them or because we're inboxing them or voicemailing them or emailing them. Yeah. Or why do you yeah. think they're like, oh, ah, yeah. this Joel guy's bugging me again. When I'm like, yeah. no, no, actually with all respect, um, because you're a senior executive and I'm saying that really sarcastically right now, you know that I'm just doing my job. Do you follow right. me? Right. Yeah. Why, right. why, right. why, why are you shunned? Why am I shunned?
0: Why? It's, And this is my big this is my big now my big vision for my company right because the reason why we're shunned is because sales the word sales has developed such a negative connotation over the past centuries Mm -hmm. because the 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 sales practitioners Mm -hmm. many of these practitioners they sell in a very non unethical slimy sleazy uncomfortable way Mm -hmm. that gets people really frustrated with them mm-hmm. and because of because of the overload in what i call non i don't even know how to like just slimy sleazy type of selling mm-hmm. which a lot of people haven't learned the right way to sell which is what we teach non-resistant selling right it, it, i think it causes a very negative connotation so when people think of us as salespeople or sales professionals they immediately associate us to you know a used car, slimy, sleazy salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. But, but the good news is, Keith, the good news is people like you and I, we can change that connotation, right? We can change it because look, you and I both know because our products and service are so good and they actually change businesses and impact people, it's our ethical responsibility to sell more of it. But but we have to come from a place of service, serve hard Sell easy. One of my good friends, Barry Baumgartner, she said this quote, and I love it. I take, I use it till to, to this day. Serve hard, sell easy. Yes. When you serve people first and you serve them hard, the sale becomes super easy. Yeah, that's a really good point. But, but most people do it the opposite. They try to sell hard and serve easy. You know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um
1: when you when you get turned down and you get and and, you know the voicemails aren't working the emails aren't working yeah calls aren't working how how do you keep going like how do you how do you how
0: do you how do you not stop yeah yeah I got two great things for that two great things for that and I learned this all from mentors number one no is just a no right now yeah right there's not a no forever because everyone's situation changes all the time just like somebody that wanted fitness coaching three months ago right, to lose weight, maybe they're in a place where they, they don't want to do that. But again, in six months, they're going to want to lose weight again because it's yes. closer to summertime. So just because they said no to you in September, it doesn't mean they'll say no to you in March. Yes. So why are you not continue reaching out to them and developing the relationship? Because probably when it comes close to summer, they want to look good and have the summer body. They're going to reach out to you to lose weight. That's the first thing. No it's never a no right now. Yes. The second, the second thing, this is what I love because I'm such a logical guy. Like I love, and this is such an Asian stereotype. I love math. <laughs> I love statistics. I love the law of numbers and the law of averages. Ah, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Every no leads you closer to a yes. Yeah. yeah. That's just pure math. So the more no's you get, it means a yes is coming soon because you cannot, you just cannot beat science and math and the law of averages, right? Your conversion rate percentage will always be whatever percentage it is. And that's the thing. You will make some sales. The more no's is a good thing. So I've, we reprogram our team's mind to understand that no's are a good thing. Yeah. Because it means a yes is coming soon. That's brilliant, frankly, isn't it?
1: Because, you know, yeah. if you get 10 no's there's probably a yes around the corner maybe 11 or 12 or 13. So don't expect that's- a yes on the first one, maybe not even the first 10, but Oh, know that, and yes. so you know, eventually along the way, there's going to be a yes. I, I think that is brilliant. And I often, yeah. I, 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 I'm I, sure you would concur with what I'm going to say next, but I often say to somebody, listen, if you get up in the middle of the day or you're, or you're sitting at your desk and wondering what I should do next, and you're looking at your list of tasks, always go to the sales task. And what I mean by that is go talk to somebody because if you're talking to somebody yes. that can directly affect revenue, then Um, you're doing more than most are probably doing because most people are not doing revenue driving tasks. Right. So, because the more people you talk to, like this morning, for example, I I had, I had a meeting this morning at seven o'clock that went sideways. They were able to make it. So I was like, all right. So I was up for a walk. Well, you know what I did for two and a half hours? I cold called people. I was on LinkedIn. I was on email. I was just, I was just bang, 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 bang. Um, because it was just a law of numbers. By the time I go back to my desk i got three meetings booked and I'm like, yeah, all right, good, there he goes. Productive, right? But it was because I had to talk to about 17 people before I got three meetings, right?
0: Correct, correct,
1: correct. So Joel, as we wrap up, as we wrap up, this has been a spectacular 54 minutes live in the lab with Joel Yee. Um, as we wrap up, what would be, um, what, would be a, what would be something you would wanna make sure the audience knew about you, knew about your business? Uh, here's your chance to plug here's your chance to you know ensure that anybody listening right now is like hey i want to this is what the audience needs to know about Joel and your business
0: yes yes i think the and this is comments coming from directly from our clients and i have videos that i can show you but i think the biggest thing that i'm very proud of my team and our company right um is that we we when i say we truly care is really what I said before. We serve hard, we sell easy. So working if you choose to speak to me or one of my team members to try to get to know us, you will I, I believe you will find that we are very authentic in truly trying to see if we can help you. because the truth is, I don't we can't help everybody. and mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna sell you something you don't need or push something down your throat or shout something down the throat. We in fact, what we typically do is we refer people, we refer you to somebody else that can help you. Yes. So we have no problem doing that. We have no problem doing that. So I think it's worth a conversation. Um, our clients say that we really care in terms of the quality, in terms of us showing up in the in the coaching, outside the coaching, in the server. So we're there for you and your team. Um, you know, obviously, if if a, if it's a little plug, I'm like, if you need help working your dead leads, right? If you need help training your sales team, you know, you know who you can reach out to. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, you can find Joel on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, you can find them there and uh, plug the company, the name of the company right now, Joel.
0: Yes, sir. You can just go to my website, com, and you will see my email. You see a form. You see my phone number, okay. simple Instagram at official
1: That's fantastic. The official joey. Actually, this is a great pivot to what I want to talk to you about that next because you're the official joey. So yes. let's talk a little bit about AI. Yes. yes. Ha- two things. How- how have you worked generative AI into your business? And then secondly, how do I know this is authentically the official Joel (laughs) Yi? Jokingly aside, because I'll get to that in a second. How have you worked AI into your business?
0: Yes. So our software is called Harvest AI. Mm -hmm. Now, the AI part of it is because we have a direct, from a CRM, a direct connection to open AI which is ChatGPT. Yes. We can use GPT-4, 3.5 Turbo, 3, 3.5. And um, what it does in our software is our bot actually replies to your leads, your prospects via email, via text, Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram. And it talks like you. You can train it to be like you. You can train it in your products. So that's the AI piece that we have in our, in our software. That's spectacular. It responds like a, like a human person, but it's AI. It's ChatGPT. Gotcha. Gotcha. How
1: did that change your business when you got wind of, you know, GPT making its way to the marketplace? Were you guys early with APIs oh a couple God. of years ago, or did you guys jump on when the API started coming up about a year ago?
0: We we integrated this uh, about, I would say started this year. So maybe eight, nine months ago.
1: So t- uh, tell me how that has changed. How, how has it changed the business?
0: Our clients, my clients love it. You know, yeah. before our clients had to have their sales team checking the inbox yeah. and a sales team had to reply to all these messages. Now the bot just goes, dip, dip, dip. and then people ask the bot questions. It answers right, and then it just flags. It just flags conversations that it can't answer to the sales team. That's spectacular. So much more time efficient. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What's your uh, What are your thoughts on fake content and authentic content?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I personally haven't seen much of it yet, but I think one thing AI can never do, can never replace, is really that that soul of a human being, right? That yeah. heart of a human being. You can never AI your way into that. Yes. You know, like us having a live podcast, I I don't, I just don't think people are gonna want to listen to two AI robots speaking together. You know what I mean? Like we could be two AI robots, but you know, no one's gonna want to listen to that. Yeah, I don't disagree with you.
1: I don't disagree with you at all. What what I what I think concerns me is though is the ability to recreate digital versions of ourselves where people where people really can't really, you know, discern the difference. Yeah, that's that's
0: gonna be a big problem, right? So so so,
1: so, let me draw your attention to that problem. And uh, maybe, maybe I can take 90 seconds out of your day to uh, have a check of this. Just watch your screen here.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, let me take a look at check this, this is your
0: true box. Right? Check this out. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's roll it. Can you see the screen? Uh, yes. Is this supposed to be sound or no?
1: Yeah. I don't think you can hear it, but I think your audience can hear it. You can check the link. Okay. You can check the link out later. Okay. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's Truthbox. Nice platform. Nice, right so, I'm going to check out
0: your website. Yeah.
1: Truthbox.ai yeah. and check out the audio behind it, but cool. uh, ta- cool, telling sir. a story of a dystopian future that I think is going to cause some problems for many of us. And I'm hoping yes. uh, that uh, we're able to to solve that. So, but Joel, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's been an hour. We've, uh, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation with you. Um, it, has been, it has been a pleasure. Uh, I'm excited to hear um, about your journey uh, traveling across the country, I think that that is going to be something quite spectacular. You know, it'd be cool actually, is if we uh, found uh, found the opportunity to do a, a podcast while you were remote somewhere. Would you do that with me?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That would be that would be a lot of fun. So, um, everybody, this is uh, Keith Billis here, and we're live in the lab, playing us out with some uh, playing us out with some mass Wolf, Ashna on the ocean she said that i'm keith cool. Bellis i'm like yeah, joel yee I in we are live in the lab live in the business athlete performance lab see everybody tomorrow yeah, yeah. y'all don't
0: really know my mental let me give you the picture like stencil falling out in a-